so welcome to the feeling fly podcast where we speak to first generation low-income college students about their experiences with the admissions process and the transition to colleges and universities across the nation today's episode is called the performative poor college after acceptance and we will be speaking to Hi, my name is Mal Arthur. Um, I'm a sophomore. My majors are psych and English. And I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a very willing guest and friend, more importantly, on <laughs> 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 uh, drawing from known sources. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyways, as I said before, we are going to be discussing this idea of performativity yeah. whenever it comes to being first gen and low income. Mm-hmm. At particularly these so-called elite colleges and universities. For context, Mel and myself both attend Amherst College. And, um, you know, I don't know if you already said that you're a sophomore. I am a sophomore. Okay, and I'm a junior. So, you know, this is not our first time at the rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I guess we can just start by talking about what it was like to get into Amherst College. Um, I'm not sure where I should start. I think I would just start before like the whole process. Looking for college things especially was difficult because I had to do it on my own. The first one to go to college, my parents were like, anytime I ask questions, they look at me and they're like, how are we supposed to know? Um, and my brothers, of course, were no help because they were, they were too young to be thinking about anything. And so it all fell on my, my shoulders. And I wasn't necessarily thinking about um, like stuff you're supposed to be thinking about, like financial aid or location. I was just looking for places where I felt would fit me and what I like in my major. So that's what I looked. I looked at I typed in Google, psychology, colleges, um, and stuff like that. And then it wasn't till after I had a list. I had a list of 12 schools. Three were some Ivies. One was Amherst, um, Brown. I have the list on my phone because it was important. But, um, but it was very, very interesting to me because I applied to University of Virginia as well. Uh, stuff like that. It was very, very interesting to me because afterwards, when I applied... Then I started thinking about financial aid. And I became very freaked out, which is why I had to listen on them on my phone because I realized that me actually getting into these schools depended on how much money they gave me, how much money there was for me to even enter the schools. So I looked up all their financial aid policies like after the fact that I was like, university, 100% need, but with loans. Um, Swarthmore, no loans. Amherst College, no loans, yay. Brown, no loans. Duke, loan-free if parents earn less than $40,000. So that was all my notes. And I was like, I need to get into one of these schools with no loans because I can't pay. We can't pay for that if there were loans or if there's any cost higher. Um, So that was my sort of like, it was this like smooth sailing happening. And I was really excited till it hit me that, wow, to get here. I need to do so much. Um, I'm just, yeah, I think that was my my sort of process. And then afterwards, like rejections were coming in, acceptances were coming in, and none of them were the schools that I needed for like the no loans. So I was just like, okay, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to this. Um, 
And then I remember at the Amherst thing came and it was what, 621 like they do. And I was like shaking and like screaming. And my mom was upstairs in bed and my brothers were in the living room. And I opened and it was like, congratulations. And this Um, is the action that I did. I literally sat on the seat and I fell (laughs) into the seat. And I had to calm down. So I went upstairs. The first thing I told my mom is, we don't have to pay. That was the first thing I told her. Um, Not that I got in. I was like, Amherst, we don't have to pay. So that was the first thing. So that was my Amherst experience. I'm very curious as to like what yours was. Like, were you looking for something specific or? Yeah, no, first of all, like, I definitely appreciate you sharing all of that. Mm -hmm. As you were saying certain things, I felt like a sense of resonance for myself because, I mean, the road to applying to college for me was like very windy I would Mm. say because it was like I always knew it seems like one thing that caught my attention in like you sharing was it seemed like there was this feeling amongst both of us even whenever we weren't sure what the financial situation would look like Mm -hmm. it's almost as if college wasn't necessarily negotiable yeah like Mm -hmm. for me all throughout it was like one thing that I couldn't really understand was, or that I never really thought mm-hmm. about, I guess, um, was that college was always sold to me as like a way out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was like, I always knew that I needed to go to college. Mm-hmm. Like everyone always told me that I should. And it yeah. wasn't just because, I mean, you know, I, I hate to say it, I guess now me being like macho liberal art student, you know, stereotype mm-hmm. or whatever. But <laughs> it's true. I wasn't always thinking like, oh, I want to go to some place where I can sit in a room and think for four years. It wasn't always like that. It was more like college always held sort of like a symbolic meaning Mm. or value for me, Mm -hmm. which was like, I didn't know exactly what it was. I couldn't put it in Mm. super concrete terms, but it just felt like a way out, you know? And so for me, I was fortunate to um, find out what Questbridge was Ah, from mm -hmm. this other guy that I, it was literally such a chance encounter, like, he was someone that had just moved to the school district like mm-hmm. a year and a half before. Mm-hmm. And most of the people, I'm from a pretty small town. So yeah. um, most people where I'm from, they just go into like whatever business their family has. Mm-hmm. Or they go to like the community college. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But I knew that I wanted to kind of, I don't know. I knew that my chances of success or like upper mobility of course i wasn't thinking of it in those terms then Mm -hmm. but like later on that's what you call it upward mobility i was thinking like my upward mobility would be secured Mm -hmm. i would be able to get my family out of their situation only by really leaving them that's sort of how it was sold to me so Mm -hmm. found out about quest bridge i was introduced to this whole concept of a liberal arts college Mm -hmm. and i kind of liked it you know like Ooh, mm-hmm. a small campus. <laughs> Everyone mm-hmm. gets to take whatever they want because yep. it's an open curriculum. Mm-hmm. All these things felt so like fancy and yeah. shiny and new. Very and so for me, yeah. like whenever I found out that I got into Amherst, it was it was similar to your experience. Yeah. Like in terms of it wasn't so much that it was Amherst. Mm-hmm. I mean that was a good plus because I was like ideally I would like to enjoy the place that I'm gonna be for the next four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But more so than that, it was like. I found out that I matched to Amherst, mm. so I knew once I matched that I wouldn't have to pay anything out oh. of pocket. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I found that out, I told my mom, and my mm. mom thought, well, first my grandma and my mom, both really big, like significant figures in my life, 
my grandma thought I was upset. She was oh. like, oh, are you sad because you didn't get into an Ivy League? Oh. And I was huh. like, <laughs> well. I was like, no. Mm. I was like, Amherst is a good school, but yeah. I feel like they don't even understand because mm. they were also in a place where... I mean, nobody's sitting around talking about the usefulness of the liberal arts, no. you know? Like, that's no. not a thing that's happening. Mm-mm. They know, like, the Ivy League, the Ivy and, like, that's yep. pretty much it. So she yeah. thought I was upset. Yeah. Um, and then my mom, she was, she, she understood a little bit more from our conversations mm. what it really meant to get into Amherst. Yeah. And she got really sad. Uh-huh. She, like, she went to her room, and she, like, didn't come out for, oh, like... No. Mm. a few hours mm. i think i didn't really talk to her until the next morning because she told me she was like i am happy for you but i'm gonna miss you mm. and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know i guess i would ask if you sort of had a similar experience in terms of what college meant to you mm. yeah when you're talking i wrote down notes because it's true it was like it was going to be this way out. It was going to be, I'm going to be the the first person to do this, make the pathway so my brothers especially can follow me along on this journey and um, I can do more than my parents ever did with their sense of education. So it was this like sense of like this, for me too, it was like, I'm moving on, I'm moving forward. It's, it wasn't a doubt in my mind that I was going to go to college. It was just like, where am I going to go? And hopefully not in Virginia, because I didn't want to stay there. Um, so I definitely do agree that it was to me like this way out. You said it was like sold to you as this way out. And I think most definitely in the town that I was, it was this way out. Because a lot of people go to like UVA or um, what's James Madison mm-hmm. in Virginia. Um, and I was like, I don't, that's not my way out. I need to go somewhere else. Um and this sense of upward mobility was mobility was also the thing that came into play. Um, and yeah, I think Amherst too, when I got it, was this fancy, shiny new thing. I didn't know what any of it meant. Like, what does open curriculum mean? Or like, you get to like have close relationship with your professors. Again, all of these like perks and stuff were knowledge to me after I had applied. Um, yeah. So it wasn't anything I ever, ever knew before, was ever, ever exposed to. And it's so interesting to mention, like, Questbridge as this, like, it just happened. Like, imagine if it didn't. That would be... I didn't know about yeah. Questbridge till I got here as yeah. well. So it's just... That's very interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of another thing that I was going to ask you about. Mm. In terms of the resources yeah. that exist for first-gen low-income students mm-hmm. as they're applying to college, mm-hmm. were there any of those resources that you used to your advantage? When you talk about resources, what do you mean? So things like community-based organizations. Uh, so mm-hmm. for me, for instance, I know that I had I had someone from... I had like a student, a current college student, yeah. who went to... Colorado College maybe okay. and um, he would like check in on me like mm-hmm. monthly because I applied to this program that I didn't even understand what it was mm-hmm. I just knew that they gave help mm-hmm. to like prospective college students mm-hmm. who came from low-income backgrounds and so he would check in with me and I mean it was really great because mm-hmm. he would like give me feedback on my like essays and oh. things like that mm-hmm. he would like 
send me like a list of scholarship opportunities mm. like on a monthly basis mm. and um I don't remember the name of the program but it was really helpful for me and then of course like I said Questbridge mm -hmm. I was able to go to um an admissions conference the mm. national college admissions conference mm -hmm. I think it's called at mm. Vanderbilt University because wow. it happens to be within driving distance yeah. of where I live so I was able to go there and meet mm. with all these like admissions officers. Wow. I got so nervous in front of like the mm. Columbia representative because oh at the time that was like my top yeah. choice. I got so nervous. Like she literally <laughs> saw me and she's like, breathe. <laughs> um, but like, as you were saying, mm. I think literally a year before I, I met this guy who told me about Questbridge. Yeah. I was content with going to a state school, mm. even though it was like, the furthest thing from what I wanted yeah. because I was like at the end of the day what I want more than anything is mm -hmm. this opportunity mm -hmm. even though mm -hmm. I didn't understand the ins and outs of that opportunity so in terms of the resources that exist for first generation low income students yeah. I guess I will ask did you have any that helped you in your like process to get to Amherst mm -hmm. and also mm -hmm. how do you feel about the level of publicity of programs mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. um I think for me, either I just didn't go looking for it or I didn't know those sorts of things existed. Mm -hmm. And the situation I was in sort of begged for me to do it all on my own. Those three came into combination to make that. There wasn't any sort of resources for me. There wasn't anything that I looked for. I talked to my school counselor a lot. And yeah. all he could offer me was just like, go online look it up and mm -hmm. like if you need any help with things or he found like a, a local scholarship because everything in my school was geared towards the local yeah. like they had like admissions people come but it was the local schools i wasn't looking for that he didn't mm -hmm. even know what amherst was my counselor um yeah. so a lot of these things i had to go look for on my own do on my own I wasn't thinking, I wasn't in the mindset of maybe there's something out there for people like me. My mm -hmm. mindset was like, okay, now I'm here, I need to figure it out on my own. So I'm sure there is some out there, but in my context, none in my immediate vicinity that I could turn to and look to. Like that, the one you mentioned about the college students checking on you, that's so cool. Like yeah. looking over your applications and stuff. I just had my friends look over it. Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay essay for brown done can you look over it for me um or i did it myself by like writing it and then not looking over it for months i had like a whole tracker of mm -hmm. um i applied here i had for like a a whole notes thing with like my essay intercepts and i yeah. kept reusing because i was like <laughs> i can't rewrite yeah. a new one every time <laughs> so there wasn't any resources and i think in terms of publicizing them it just also depends on where you are from and what they value around you because yeah. outside college was not a value thing around me and mm -hmm. so of course they were not going to provide something for broader what do i want to do the most out-of-state thing was like uva out of state um what, mm -hmm. what can those people do um so it was like even if it existed i didn't know about it and i right. wish there was like an opportunity chance to know about it um so yeah hmm yeah i think the piece about context hits for me a lot because even that program i was talking about where i checked in with this college student um that was an opportunity that i did seek out for myself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um it was like i said i was very lucky to find someone who knew what Questbridge was yeah. and was able to explain it to me it was yeah. like one in every single body in the yeah, county <laughs> crazy um <laughs> so i guess 
with that in mind, mm. I would also ask, was it like the the like specific friend group you were with? Mm. Were y'all like all interested in the same things in terms of the types of colleges you were applying to, or if college was even like an end goal for them as well? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if so, do you think that that sort of like maybe influenced mm-hmm. your um, I guess really just like your admissions process yeah. with applying to Amherst. Mm. Hmm. That's interesting. Because I had like two specific friends that I was referring to like um, talking about. Like my friend Joe, she was already out of Virginia. She did mm. this like performing arts program in North Carolina. Oh, so she really wasn't cool. going to like come back again she oh, left yeah. in like 11th grade 12 oh her whole i know 12th what you're talking year. about <laughs> yeah um yeah. so it was like she was looking at big schools her top was like northwestern i almost applied mm-hmm. to northwestern because i was like it would be nice to go to school together mm-hmm. no i'm glad we're <laughs> in separate places yeah that would be an interesting sort of thing um and the friend allison she i think stayed and did state school I didn't really mm-hmm. keep up with her. Like, I yeah. ended up being more friends with Joe, so I'll focus on Joe more. So just, like, the wanting to get out, wanting to get away was already present with Joe. And it was just like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know. And she made it happen, like, applying mm-hmm. out, outside elsewhere. And I didn't know that was a thing. I think she yeah. only applied to Northwestern, actually, ED, because you were oh, so yeah. sure mm-hmm. that she would get in. And I was like, I want to also do that. Though I can't apply ED. Um, mm-hmm. I want to apply elsewhere and have that chance to go like out of here. Um, yeah. So she most definitely like influenced me because she made it seem possible that you yeah. can like leave. Um, yeah. So yeah. Did you have any friends like that? Um, I think really just like I said, the guy that I told you about. Yeah. The thing is, I've talked to a lot of people about this and it's always so interesting to me the way that like first-gen low-income students specifically tell their stories Mm. of getting to Amherst because it always seems like whenever you sort of like dig up the past Mm. there's like one Mm -hmm. example or model (laughs) that you're like Mm -hmm. oh this was like Mm -hmm. the it I mean it's like you already had those ideas there but there's always something that it seems like this was the thing that set it in motion Mm. so that's why I asked you about that because I don't know if I found a person yet who was just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah, I knew from yeah. the time I was in diapers that I wanted to go to Amherst no. College. There's some people out there like that, and it's so crazy to me. Because I just found Amherst on a list, and I was like, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> applying to you. Yeah. It was better than American College, which followed from it. From mm, I see, I see. Yeah, so it's always interesting to me mm. because, again, like going back to me asking about publicity, like. Yeah, yeah. Even now, my brother, um, he's in the process of applying to college. This is his senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And there are things that he's just not asking me because Mm -hmm. he doesn't even... Because first of all, I did it all myself. And it's not as if I was narrating the whole process (laughs) as I was doing it. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, he doesn't even know where to begin. There are things that he's just convinced himself he's not able to do mm-hmm. like the opportunity doesn't exist yeah and so much of that isn't because i mean it's not because he's not motivated yeah. it's not because he doesn't want it it's because like me it's like it's going to come down to even knowing some of those opportunities mm-hmm. are out there mm-hmm. and it seems mm-hmm. like he just doesn't yeah. like he was talking about like getting financial aid like getting scholarships from like uncg i think because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. his top choice mm-hmm. and he just like completely missed the deadline for applying to the honors college because oh. He just sort of like 
convinced himself that mm. he wouldn't be able to get in. Oh, no. And so, Mm-mm. I know, but, but the thing is, he didn't say it to me like, oh, yeah, yeah I've just given up or anything. No, it was no, just, no. it was almost like this was um, a reality that he had accepted mm. as if mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. been, you know, like acknowledging it in little ways mm. in different areas up yeah. to this point. Mm. And so that's why it's just like really interesting to me because here at Amherst, you sort of have this, Sometimes I have this sense of guilt mm. in terms of being here because yeah. I know that I do also occupy a sort of like privileged position, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's also like, I don't know if I ever quite feel like I belong here mm. because I know that so much of it for me was like, it was, it's not as if I don't deserve to be here. It's just, I don't always feel like I belong here mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it almost seems like there's a system mm. that's like rigged a certain way. Yeah. And so unless you like hit these specific variables, mm-hmm. you will not get in yeah. if you come from like a specific background. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you, if that resonates for you or yeah. if you have other thoughts on that. Yeah. I think for like firstly, your, your brother, that's so interesting. The like already taking in reality that this is not going to happen for me. So I mm-hmm. should, I shouldn't do it. I hope I hope he has you there to like, no, let's do it again. Let's go a different pathway, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, cause it's true. It's not like you're narrating. Okay. And then you go to, what's the thing? It's not called a common. It's like uh, the C thing. What? The like, common application? Yes. It is called the common application. Yeah. Okay. I was like, <laughs> you're what? right. Don't lie yourself. <laughs> I was thinking about the lit mag, the common. You the see, COVID, my brain. <laughs> Amherst has yeah. corrupted us. <laughs> it is work. Oh, I forgot where it came from. God, that common application ruined yeah. me. Anyways, um, yeah, I wasn't saying, oh, the common application, blah, blah, blah. And it's so weird, too, having siblings, because my brother is in ninth grade, and he's already thinking about college. I'm like, mm-hmm. please don't do this right now. <laughs> I know, like, I know where he wants to go to. I can help him with that when yeah. it comes to it, but... Don't, don't do that to yourself right now. Um, but I definitely agree with you. The sense of belonging always feels like a misalignment, like a puzzle piece that just doesn't fit fully. Yeah. Because there's just like certain ways that when you're here, you're supposed to be here and take up space of knowing that you have this sort of privilege now that you they have risen you up to this quote-unquote elite status that's supposed to propel you forward for the rest of your life, which... Uh, certain mm-hmm. circumstances that's not going to happen because there's a certain difference level of privilege in the school right. like those at the very 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 top are the ones going to get everything so i definitely agree with you that the system is sort of shifted a certain way that the mm-hmm. the bodies in here that don't fit it regardless of where we are now it's just not going to work it's just not going to to do well and it's so, anytime I hear people talking about not belonging, I think about that, like, campaign, Amherst, hashtag Amherst, I belong. Right. It hangs in, like, the Converse, and I mm-hmm. see it somewhere, and I'm like, why did you do that? I'm right. curious as to the background of that campaign, because, well, it probably came from a response to students being like, I don't feel like I belong here. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, the pictures are beautiful, and the people telling their stories about, like, finding friends and finding ways that they belong. Those are very nice because you can have those things and also realize that in some ways it's just never going to fit. But maybe right. you're making it fit in your own way. 
yeah. just aside from what the institution wants you to fit. Because mm-hmm. there's a certain mold. You come here, you're supposed to do the thing, speak in the liberal arts way, discursive, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also go in one pathway too. They yeah. have an issue with your whole consulting and finance and like those fields that are not meant for people of color that yeah. they push you into. Um, so like shifting away from that and like doing different things helps. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so curious as to like what specific things in the Amherst sort of community you feel like a certain way for like a certain people or yeah. that like contribute to this like not fitting and not belonging at least to you and your perspective right so this is actually like kind of like the whole big point Mm. like this is what we've been working up to in terms of what i really want to dive into yeah um in this episode so i'm glad that you brought us there because you know we started out with me saying the title like oh i'm talking (laughs) about the performative poor and you just kind of hit on this point Mm. of like I don't know, sort of always feeling like you have to occupy space in a certain way mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. like there's a space that's been carved out for you and that's the only space you're allowed to take yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really resonated for mm-hmm. me. And so for me, I think there's two, there's like really two things I think about. Yeah. The first is my admissions essay, mm. which I guess isn't college after acceptance, technically speaking, but yeah. it kind of is because mm. so much of my getting into Amherst, yeah. I think sort of started Mm. with me occupying a certain space whenever i wrote my college admissions Mm. essay i sort of like Mm -hmm. i mean i guess i can say this now because my mom already (laughs) knows it Mm. but i I spoke pretty disparagingly Mm. of my family i mean Mm -hmm. i kind of i kind of spoke about my home as being very broken yeah and um I talked about hardship. Mm. I mean, it's not as if we haven't faced hardship. Yeah. Like, you know, we're here recording this podcast. We, <laughs> yeah. know, what, yep. we know what it means to mm-hmm. be Christian low income. Yep. So, like, of course, yeah, like, there were things that we didn't always have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We weren't rich, but at the same time, it's like, I've experienced so many other things from my family mm-hmm. From that's, like, not rooted in hardship Mm. there's like a big communal element between me and my family of just like closeness Mm -hmm. that i think a lot of people here don't have um a lot of people i think i've noticed don't know how to be in community and so for me i think that's a real string but that's not what i wrote about in my essay yeah it was as if i knew that there was something being asked of me Mm -hmm. there's like this there's this thing for Questbridge applicants i didn't see it at the time so i'm not gonna lie and pretend Mm -hmm. like i did I saw it after I became interested in this issue. Yeah. It's like this guide called Tips. It's called Tips for Writing the Essay, and it's called huh. The Low Income Advantage. Huh. And so they list all these things out, and it's mm. like, tell your story. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, tell a story of hardship, mm-hmm. of overcoming hardship. Mm. Tell a story of uh, immigration. Mm-hmm. Tell a story mm-hmm. of abuse. Like, And I remember really? reading that, and I was like, okay, <gasps> what are you saying? Mm. Like you're not really asking me to tell my story. No, you're asking no. me to tell mm. a story that you've already written for me. Yeah. And so the thing is, I bought into that. Mm-hmm. Like whenever, and I, I kind of 
knew as I was writing it because yeah. I didn't feel comfortable showing my mom. So anyone who knows me knows that my mom is my best friend. I tell her literally everything. Mm. There's nothing that woman doesn't know about me. Yeah. But this was the one thing that I was mm. like, I don't know if she'll take this well. Because it was about an experience that was pretty personal for both of us. Mm-hmm. Something we were still working through at the time. but yeah. And it was related to mental illness. But the thing is, I told the story a certain way as if it was like... Oh, because, like, my family wasn't understanding of my, like, mental illness. I began to write poetry. That was the place I felt safest. And Mm -hmm. I think that I can contribute to the Amherst College campus environment because I have a unique voice and a unique perspective um, based out of this experience. Mm. And um, my poetry is the only place that I really feel seen. Mm. And so I kind of played to this like traditionally intellectual edge. Um, I knew that I needed to write about how my smarts would help me contribute Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. the environment here. Mm -hmm. But I also kind of played on my marginality a lot in terms of saying like, you know, I think that this was a situation that may not have gone this way for, like, Mm -hmm. my white peers. I think that it was related to, you know, Mm -hmm. us being a family of strong black women. Yeah. And my family saying, having this sort of existing conception that, Mm -hmm. like, black people don't deal with mental illness. But what I didn't say in that essay was that, you know, no matter how long it took her to come around, my Mm -hmm. mom did eventually come to me with open arms. Mm -hmm. And she said you know, I was, I'm so sorry. It's just that this was something I didn't know how to protect you from. Mm. I thought, what's it like if she's like, who taught her to feel comfortable saying this? Because Mm. the first person who overhears it that has white skin Mm -hmm. is going to take advantage of it. And so that's, Mm -hmm. that's not a story that I told in my missions essay. It's a story that I have and that I know that it happened. And like I said, me and my mom have talked about this work through it and, So much of it is related to, I don't know, it's like sometimes I feel like I have to talk about my hardship as if it's this thing that I must independently, individually overcome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in so writing about it, it sort of feels like that hardship is something we participate in. Or like the people that we're leaving now, us being here at Amherst, Mm -hmm. that those people are participating in Mm -hmm. and that they're reproducing Mm -hmm. by what? Not being at Amherst as if that's something that Mm -hmm. they could do right now. So (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's just, I would say that that's really one of the things that for me, I think, you know, like I said, I was so excited when I got into Amherst, Mm -hmm. but there was a part of me that knew as I was writing that Mm -hmm. essay I kind of knew two things. I kind of knew, first of all, that it would get me in. Yeah. And the other thing that I knew was that I wasn't myself. Mm. And so it's almost like I started off on Mm -hmm. unequal footing. I started off by being sort of a caricature of myself. Mm -hmm. And I think I told myself that it was okay because once Mm -hmm. I got my foot in the door, I could take up as much space as I wanted to. I just, you know, I had to play by the rules for this time, but it shouldn't have been like that in the first place. Mm -hmm. I don't know, what was your experience like whenever you sort of wrote your essay to get in? It's so interesting because in the essay topics they give you, they have one literally built around hardship. It's like they're feeding you. They're like, here, we know you have something to say. Um, For me, like before I talk about my my essays, like you write the story that they want to hear, that you know that they want to hear, that 
feeds you as a subject that has gone through so much but you have out you have overcome and you're like mm-hmm. like this phoenix rising from the ashes and it's like they already have these prescribed notions about what your story is going to be and so yeah. if you feed into that if you do the checklist like okay went through this but i got through it mm-hmm. now i'm here because i went through this because i'm this because i'm that and then when they let you in you're like look at us we did it we yeah. brought you here we're contributing to you being a better individual you mm-hmm. getting over your hardship you doing this is because now you're here um this this is something like um i'm going to i wrote a whole essay about this for my writing college experience class um mm-hmm. just thinking about like the stories and like the what's it called um just like where is it the whole anthony jack thing the single story narrative just like having this one narrative of hardship that they've you that that you like sort of say like i've worked through all these barriers that surround me and i'm here and the college then uses it so then people who can't do that or people who tell a story in a different way don't get in because it's just yeah. like you're not like these people that's mm-hmm. a whole other conversation but for my essay what did i do i picked the hardship one because i was like that's the one i could speak to you know i yeah. could have spoken to the other ones well enough but i was like there's something here maybe maybe it was the pull of like okay this is what they want to hear mm-hmm. i wrote my essay about coming here from ghana struggling with language struggling with like math because i wasn't on the same level as my peers like coming from a different education system i wrote about how well, this is a line i always remember and i cringe every time it's like difficulty was like a vendor on every street corner God, i'm sure they eat that up they're like ooh <laughs> yeah so it was just like was that one essay like difficulty need not blah 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 the supreme court justice like mm-hmm. yeah anyway so that's what i wrote about and then i in that writing i didn't talk about how hard it was for me i didn't talk about community i talked about me i was like this is how i went through it i studied i practiced i did this mm-hmm. and this shows that i'm able to overcome and come to amherst to do the same thing because yeah obviously i did already mm-hmm. um and because I come from this background and no one supported me, no, my mom, my family was there for me the whole entire yeah, time. Yeah. Um, I can do this on my own. And you know, like my little joke about the phoenix, I literally used the phoenix, like my essay ending was like, like the phoenix rising from the ashes. I was so corny <laughs> in that essay, it was bad. Um, but they, they liked it apparently. Yeah. Um, and he's, I can't look at that essay anymore. I really don't like it. Um, but... <laughs> I did the same thing. Just put myself on display, put the story that they wanted to hear out there with no community, with no backing, with no fullness to the story. Because that's not what they want to hear. They don't want Mm -hmm. to hear that you had these people help you. You're supposed to do it all by yourself. And once you come here, you're going to do it all by yourself. It's like the expectation anyways. Yeah, yeah. And it's like these invisible rules as to how you're supposed to offer yourself up to them. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to package yourself as this one Thing and one thing only even though they talk about you have to be well-rounded there is only yeah. a certain type of well-roundedness that they want from you yeah and like the quest pitch thing it's, mm-hmm. it's like it's really sick and twisted how they have that as a list yeah but it's true they're also playing to we're working within this system that mm-hmm. won't let us in unless we work within it yeah and it's just continuing on and on yeah 
yeah it's it's difficult mm. it's tough. <laughs> yeah. um, i mean i appreciate that you brought up anthony jack because that's like the play on words here yeah with our episode poor, privileged uh, poor i caught it yeah you just knew where i was going <laughs> something about amherst <laughs> um but yeah i mean there's like this new york times article where anthony jack says um classes weren't the hard part mm. and um i just think that's so interesting in our conversation about like occupying space too, right? yeah, he yeah yeah he was here yeah <laughs> amherst alum yeah and so i mean i mean our conversations made me think of so many things just yeah. because this is sort of like a field of study for me but mm. there's so many examples there's the story of like uh what's her name mckenzie you know what i'm talking about mckenzie fierston i think uh, she was like she went to UPenn mm. and um, yeah Mackenzie Fierston so so yeah. the story about Mackenzie yeah. Fierston is like UPenn sort of like accused her of lying oh. about her sort of like background hmm. as being from hardship mm-hmm. because details came forward from another parent that was involved in the situation mm. um revealing like a certain income or something like that i think and so it seemed to discount her story Mm -hmm. as if she was making it up but the point of this is there's always this sort of expectation of like how dimensional we get to be Mm -hmm. and so it's like whenever you're talking about just like i don't know almost like the exploitative nature you Mm -hmm. said i think putting yourself on display yeah and that's something that i feel like we're constantly being asked to do Mm -hmm. from even from the moment that we are writing these emissions essays because Mm -hmm. For instance, this student, like, her entire uh, degree was put on hold, wow. I believe. And then she just kind of basically had to explain that the situation was a bit more complicated and that you can't trust just because one person says yeah. that I didn't suffer abuse, yeah. that I didn't, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something that mm-hmm. I guess we get into later in the mm-hmm. in, in this episode or another one. But yeah. just that's just one example to me of, mm-hmm. like, this sort of performativity that element of performativity and so i guess just drawing it back to Mm -hmm. our conversation about emmer specifically and our experience here what are those sort of invisible rules that you've been mentioning where are some places that you have encountered them um whether it be like in the behavior attitudes of students or professors or even in some of the programs and policies in place on campus um are there any of those that come to mind in our conversation? While well, I'm gathering my thoughts, I'm going to turn the question back to you. I want you to answer because okay. my brain is scattered. No, no, <laughs> I have to no, edit that. It, it's mm-hmm. not fair. I had time to think about these questions, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, you answer. Um, I would say for me, there's a lot of places. I think one thing is in terms of sort of like this idea of emergencies on campus Mm -hmm. so like the emergency fund for Mm -hmm. instance is put in place and it's so interesting because it's like didn't you sort of let me in i mean you may not have just let me in because i'm poor but it certainly felt like it when i was writing my (laughs) essay yeah that that definitely played some part in Mm -hmm. it i mean even going back to this example i just brought up of Mackenzie fierston it's like income and like oppression olympics Mm. and like level of hardship it does come into play during the college admissions process Mm -hmm. especially now as the sat and act are being devalued Mm. other parts of the application naturally have to become a little bit more significant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in deeming applicants college ready and so for me it's like 
okay, so here I come. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like outside the doors of Amherst as if it's like one building. <laughs> yes. I'm outside the doors of Open Amherst. I got all my baggage. Mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. just like, based on my essay, I mean, I'm taking up the whole street with baggage. Yeah. And, um... Then I open the doors to say Converse. Mm-hmm. That's like the, one of the first places I saw things. when I got here. Yeah, yeah it's like mm-hmm. the first thing you see. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm standing outside the steps of Converse. And then I realize like the door's not big enough for all my baggage. No. So mm-hmm. then I pick up just a couple suitcases, try yeah. to go through the door. Mm-hmm. Boop, I get stopped at every turn. Yeah. I have to leave it all there. Yeah. I'm able to get through only whenever I've dropped all of it. Mm-hmm. And so whenever once I get through those doors and I come here, it's like there's times whenever... It's expected of me to say I'm a first-generation low-income student. Mm-hmm. And there's times whenever I'm sort of asked to put that away because this is an, an appropriate situation for it. Yeah. And like I said, one of those examples is even just emergency funding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, um, hello, I'm poor. Like, sometimes there's emergencies at home in terms yeah. of, like, whatever the case may be. Really I remember my first mm. semester here, um, that first, like, J-term. Yeah. I had a car accident mm. and I asked him for funds for like uh, car related expenses <laughs> because I wrecked my car yeah. and um, I remember them saying like writing back to me like um this needs to be an education related expense why are you calling uh. it an emergency fund if it has to be no. education related and Mm-mm. I get it it could be like for tax reasons or anything but don't dress it up as something yeah as like yeah. one thing and then mm-hmm. it's another entirely yeah. and so for me it's like there are real explicit places on mm. campus where whatever the case may be it's like my poorness isn't welcome here i mean yeah. i had a conversation once with a professor who mm. you know i was just making jokes you know i was yeah. uh talking about i can't even remember what it was i said something along the lines of like oh, like, don't show them that I got this package from the post office. They might rescind my admission, you know? And she got so offended. She was like... (laughs) She was like, how could you say that? And I was like, excuse me? I was like, um... And then all the other people in the room, I'm going to go ahead and say, all of whom are not Mm, first-gen low-income, are just kind of looking at me with like these like dead eyes like what she like i'm speaking a different language you know and it's like okay so let me get this straight Mm -hmm. you're well like you're welcoming and inviting for me to talk about my income status yeah whenever it somehow contributes to what your Mm -hmm. diversification of the mind or your Mm -hmm. diversification of the campus Mm -hmm. like those things are fine but whenever i want to bring it up on my terms Mm. and tell it as a story of like not only hardship but also almost like something that i exploited to yeah. gain admission here yeah. i'm not allowed to that's say it anymore you can't say that. like that's crazy <laughs> i should be allowed to say what i want we can you know? use that but you can't <laughs> <laughs> exactly and so those are just two mm. examples for me that come up i okay. hope you have some yes, time to, I was writing to collect it down. thank you for tossing it back to me it is so funny like the fact that they could use it and like metaphorically plaster you on like the little diversity photos but you can use that you can be like ha 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 i know exactly Mm -hmm. what you're doing um i think for me i was trying to think of specific examples but um maybe i'll think of it as i'm talking but i am thinking about what the invisible rules are i sort of take issue with how things are unexplained unaddressed 
in terms of the resources that yeah. they say they have. So like the cark is a thing. No, 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 no. Um, office hours is always one that comes up. Like you yeah. can go see your professors, talk to them. Work, study, and financial stuff. That's mm-hmm. a big thing. Like you, you, you can talk to the financial aid office. You, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. So I take issue with how things like that are just like they're there, and they say that they're there, and it's not like God is so hard for me to do the work to go look for them, but coming here, um. Without those things, without access to those things, without knowing how those things work, and without knowing if I'm allowed to take up space and redefine those things to, to fit me, how am I supposed to approach that? How am I supposed to reach that? Mm-hmm. Like, that's focusing on like the financial aid and stuff. Like, emergency funds, I knew it was a thing first year. But yeah. I was like, if I take emergency funds, how does this affect my financial aid? Right. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. I worry about my work study all the time because I'm like, if I go above it, what are mm-hmm. they going to do? Yeah. Am I, can I ask you that? You're not, are you going to, you don't offer me that information. I have to go mm-hmm. seek it out to you. And if I don't ask it the right way, you're not going to give me what I need. Yeah. It's the thing as well. So stuff like that is just like, mm-hmm. you say you have all of those things, but you don't, I'm not asking you for like a line by line and then you email the financial aid office and stuff. But Make it accessible. Yeah. Don't make it something that's like so high up a tower that I have to trudge my way there, mm-hmm. suffering before I finally get the answers there. Yeah. Um, I love the Kark, but I didn't know the Kark offered all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, though now I'm like in it, I know. But if you just come here, you may never like go to the Kark. They yeah. talk about it in like admissions tours. I hear them all the time. Like <laughs> in the class access resource center. They don't tell you that when you're applying. They tell yeah. you that when they need to tell you that. Um, so it's like. And who's really on those tours? Yeah. Who's <laughs> really on those tours? Not the students who need um, to cark the most. No. And it's, it's like we have this. We have this resource center. Wow. Yeah. We can brag about it. Um, yeah. And stuff like that. It also comes down to just like. Oh, there's something I was gonna say. It just slipped my mind. Okay, yeah, but stuff like stuff like that. It just like, urgh, I take mm-hmm. issue to a lot of those things. Like small yeah. things like office hours. You know what I also take issue with? What? Not having that like opportunity prior the summer mm-hmm. bridge thing. Not mm-hmm. everyone got an opportunity for summer bridge to come yeah. here, learn how to talk to professors, learn how to be an Amherst as this fly mm-hmm. student. And it always gets me because I'm like, how did you make that choice? Who yeah. specifically are allowed to do that? And mm-hmm. why wasn't this an open was yeah. it an open thing? Could you apply to it? I didn't know all of those things. Again, I still don't, I don't know. Think, <laughs> I don't think that I applied to Summer Bridge. You can apply think, to it? No, I don't think you can. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that they literally just pick and they choose. Pick. Yeah. So it's just like my roommate and I talk about it all the time, like this joking thing, like Wow, you want us here, but you only selected a few people. Yeah. And they build your community. Yeah. And so you come here, you're already outside of that from mm. what they know. It's like, yeah, ugh, tomato, tomato. I'm still bitter about that. <laughs> it's okay. If it makes you feel better, I take issue with some of the basic principles of Summer Bridge. Cause, okay. okay. I mean, it still comes at a point of like, mm. I agree that Summer Bridge has been helpful in at least connecting me with other students mm. who identify as first-gen and low-income. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I would be in terms of my like time at Amherst without that yeah at the same time 
is it enough to put all the poor kids in a room and let <laughs> everyone know that you're all poor kids? I don't know if it yep. is. I think, I think the most it's useful thing I got out of that concretely was mm. knowing what the writing center was. Mm. But mm-hmm. in terms of other stuff, mm-hmm. like the longevity of it, mm-hmm. in terms of like, is this a resource that I'll tap into? Yeah. yeah. No, I, don't, I think if I emailed Austin Sarah right now, he wouldn't remember who I was. No. He was like, part of that? Yeah, he's wow. the main person. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like mm-hmm. that man mm-hmm. that man does not know. No. <laughs> in terms doing of it for like, the right reason. The other thing is I feel like some of the faculty have certain existing assumptions about mm. what you do and don't have access to. Yeah. And sometimes they can speak in a way that's condescending. Mm. It was most mm. of the time the people who came from similar backgrounds, mm-hmm. like people mm-hmm. who also identified as first gen low income mm. before they uh became tenured professors at Amherst <laughs> um yeah like yeah. it was mostly those people who were able to speak to me in a way in which mm. sometimes I sort of have told people about this before it feels like I mean this is gonna be hard because we're on a podcast so <laughs> I can't do my little visual thing yeah yeah but if you have you have people who talk to you from a certain place mm-hmm. as if they're like preaching down to mm. you rather than like mm-hmm. taking the elevator to the first floor yeah. and y'all chatting down there yeah. like yeah it's always this yeah. sort of like hierarchy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. professors sometimes speak. I get it. Like you worked hard to get your education. Like yeah. I, you worked hard for that PhD. Yeah. I'm never going to question you for it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, what good is it for you to keep throwing that in my face as someone who doesn't even mm-hmm. have a conception of what a PhD mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. even understand there was a difference between undergrad and grad school before I got here. I was like, That's I have to true. do this again. Me too. That's are what I said. Like when I came to the Mellon and you're like, you guys are like, yeah, you can also just get your master's and a PhD. I was like, what? That's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, literally same. I was like, no, not no again. Way. So, <laughs> you I can't mean, force me. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me to mm. be so protective yeah. and like yeah. exclusionary, yeah. I think. Because mm-hmm. so much of it is just like, ah, oh, mm. look at me. Me who has something that you don't mm. have. <laughs> Calm down. Yes, we're you not get paid here. to do this. You're not here to fight for the space that you made yourself. Exactly. It is so, like the Olympics. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just feel yeah. like so many of the faculty who were involved in that program, a lot yeah. of them, a lot of them, like I said, I'm super grateful for, but some of them, and this goes for even extending beyond Summer Bridge, yeah. a lot of them, they, they learned this fact about you that mm. you come from this specific background and they already, like we said before, have this image in mind yeah. of the mold that you fit yeah. and the sort of student that you are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've had lots of white professors, for instance, who mm. are just like, and you know, if you ever need time off for like, you know, I don't know, uh, a racial mental health related mm. like you don't even know what you say you stop throwing things in there you Just know the buzzword. like please <laughs> i need and it's like mm-hmm. the thing is it's hard because i know that it comes from a good place yeah. and like i said there are there are worse issues mm-hmm. it could be that i was at a place where these issues weren't understood at all mm. but i think it's still harmful for these things to be misunderstood yeah. or misrepresented mm-hmm. and um it's difficult for me. I mean, like I said, I've, I've had a lot of white professors in my days yeah, at Amherst, yeah. and they're not always understanding. Sometimes they think that they're doing good, and they're mm-hmm. really, really not. They're mm-hmm. really embarrassing themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had one time I made a professor cry because oh. uh, I took time off for like a race. Um, it, it was for a Black Minds Matter walkout. Yeah. 
I guess this is what she was referring to when mm-hmm. she was talking about race-related mental mm-hmm. health days. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this was something that I, I just I needed to do, you know? Like, my community was suffering, and so I just told her, I won't be in your class today. Mm. Uh, she said she understood. So whenever I came to the office hours and asked her questions about the lecture, she said, you know, if you wanted to hear the lecture, you should have come to class. And I just kind of got upset because mm. it seemed like she was already making me out to be mm. a certain type of student, mm-hmm. despite what she has sworn mm. she wouldn't do. Like, she swore she was going to be understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And then I kind of told her that in so many words. And I wasn't mm. even mean to her, you know? Like, yeah. I was just like, I kind of don't understand because mm-hmm. it feels like mm-hmm. I'm still being punished for something that I told you I need to do. It's not mm-hmm. really negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. Then she started crying Ugh. and this like a three hour Zoom tears. session ensued. Mm-hmm. I know. And so it's mm-hmm. just, it's always like that. You mm-hmm. know, it's always mm-hmm. like, God forbid you, you know, like show yourself in a way that's not convenient for someone else here <laughs> yeah. who's in a position of relative power. Yeah. And those are the sorts of experiences that I've had here that make it so hard sometimes to be an Emmer student because yeah. it's like, my God, you're like, you're just not thinking. It's, no. That's what I was talking about, the performative element. So, yeah. yeah. I'll have professors here. I've had, like, what, two sort of weird professor interactions that it's just like, you really, why are you like this? And it didn't have to do with like like fly stuff. It mainly mainly concerned race. Like mm-hmm. I've been in two classes now that white professors feel okay to say the N word in like poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two classes. <laughs> That's a lot. That's crazy. And that was just like went to like the chair of the department and mm-hmm. he was talking about getting rid of old Amherst and I was like, Is this is old Amherst? That you guys, I said Amherst song, um, that <laughs> you guys are doing this in. It's such an isolating thing. And a lot of things, like, especially for, like, black fly people. Mm, yeah. It's an after-the-fact sort of care that happens, or after things happen mm-hmm. that people are like, okay, we need to change this. Yeah. While feeling comfortable and knowing. And then even though moving to that care is only in the buzzword sort of things that um, impact them. It's trying yeah. to do the whole like restorative justice. Let's go back mm-hmm. to something that never ever existed. And so you lose yeah. sort of the footing of that. Um, so I hope I don't have any more experiences <laughs> like you were saying with like with those professors. That I couldn't handle it. Like the, once the tears start, it's just like <laughs> Now I have to tell you it's okay. Stop yeah, crying. It's, it was a lot. <laughs> and I feel like that's just... And then I always end up thinking to myself at the end of the day, like, that's just Amherst, yeah. you know? And it's hard because, <laughs> like you said, there's all these little... It's like these invisible traps are set. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. feel like I'll be spending every single day, all day, mm-hmm. walking over them mm-hmm, things and getting mm-hmm, caught in them. Mm-hmm. It's when I least expect it. Like, yeah. I had another professor that was upset because I didn't print like 10 pages for class and um i mean i emailed it to her right Mm -hmm. before class because i had i have things to do like i'm not the typical emerson student Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i don't i don't ever want to use that in a way that's like oh look at me you should make exceptions Mm. all the time you know but i mean i don't know i think at the same time it's like yeah Mm. i'm working 40 hours a week Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm also trying to take care of myself so 
if I have work in the morning and then therapy right after yeah. and then a nine o'clock class, mm-hmm. it may be the case that I might not have 10 pages printed yeah. if the printer wasn't working the night before. Yeah. Like, it's not like I have a printer in my room, you know? <laughs> yeah. I do have to utilize the public printing on campus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. like, but people just are so quick to not act with empathy. Yeah, It's like, weren't you just feeling so sorry for me mm. five seconds ago whenever mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. telling the whole class about how I'm like first gen and low income no. and look at me the model student Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. like where did that sort of understanding go it flew out the window whenever I started like sort of almost like negotiating my identity on my own terms yeah. in this space mm-hmm. and so it's like yes Emerson has done a lot of good but Emerson still has a long way to go mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of all of this stuff because it's very little things that you see that happen mm. like these things i've mentioned here yeah. like it's always little stuff it's even interactions with peers like mm. i said like mm-hmm. i get it it's not not everyone here is working full time yeah and yeah. but at the same time like um i see your looks that you give me whenever i don't hand you your coffee in mm-hmm. under 60 seconds mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's not going you know yeah. nowhere like yeah. and i i don't know there's just there's so much stuff that i feel like i've dealt with on this campus even a lot of times in terms of just the hours that i'm working like you said something really important earlier about just wanting like an increase in accessibility for a lot of stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like financial aid should be i don't know why they're so protective of like the appeals process like (laughs) they could argue that like Mm. oh well not that many students go through it but Mm -hmm. i've heard a lot of students who Mm. have to appeal financial aid Mm -hmm. so it's like why are you protecting this like it's something that you intentionally don't want people to understand Mm. just put a guide out that says hi here's how you like petition financial aid and so because for me it's like i was obviously i'm in a place where it's affecting me financially Mm -hmm. in a big way so why do you assume that i'm gonna be able to find time in my schedule Mm -hmm. to do all this work and research Mm -hmm. of it myself whenever i shouldn't have been put in this position in the first place and so i just got exhausted this semester that's when i started working full time instead of appealing financial aid because i was like the other thing is that sort of invisible lines you're talking about yeah. it's hard for me to find people at emerson who i don't have to explain things to <laughs> yeah it's hard for me to find mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. okay so i remember this one sorry i know i'm going a little bit off, no, 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 all no, over no. the place but yeah. i remember this one class i had the professor mm-hmm. asked people to raise their hand if they had worked in a food service or mm. food industry job me and one other student raised our hands yeah and this was like a 20 people class i was like out of 20 of us only two of us have worked in food service Hmm. i get it like that's not the marker for the low-income experience Mm -hmm. but i was still surprised because Mm. where i come from everyone starts in food service Mm. that's like everyone starts by working at mcdonald's (laughs) and then you work your way up the ladder and so for me it was hard to understand because i had been a manager at domino's previously yeah And so whenever I got here, it was like, uh, that's a little awkward. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I get it. Like I said, not everyone has to have the exact same experiences as me, but it was hard to talk to people who had never understood this. Like, I'm not saying that people here don't have a work ethic Mm -hmm. because clearly, I mean, like you did have to get here, right? But there's more than just, there's more to like having a work ethic than sitting in a room writing papers all day long. Mm And once you do that for a while, I think sometimes you can start to like almost disprivilege or disvalue the like physical labor of other people who keep 
mm-hmm. the whole world running. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. my mom who works in a hospital. Yeah. She's not like a nurse. Mm-hmm. She works in the kitchen of the hospital, but she works long hours and yeah. she, she works long hard hours. Mm. And um my entire life she's been my role model. Mm. And so for me coming here it was like I did want to stay true to that, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. part of the reason I went into dining. It was something that I knew that I would be good at. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. also some piece that I didn't want to lose because Mm -hmm. it was like, that's the only place on campus that I knew for a fact that people would share this experience with me. Mm -hmm. And so those people, Mm -hmm. like my coworkers, I'm thinking of three of them right now (laughs) who is like, that's my group. Mm -hmm. Like those, that's my like home away from home yeah like I've formed connections with them greater than the connections I've formed with people like who are students here Mm. you know people my age like Mm. people who like we're supposed to be in this together and somehow I have more in common with Mm. these full-time employees than I do with some of the student body Mm -hmm. because it's like I never have to explain things to them (laughs) you know and of course even that it's like layers of privilege because of course I hold these dual identities as both student and worker there are things relating to their experience that I don't understand but there are also things that we share in Mm. that's like common for us Mm -hmm. and so whenever it comes down to it it's like hmm am I gonna stress myself out appealing to financial aid or just make the money the way I've always done my entire life with the one group of people that I actually feel like sees me because no matter what at the end of the day I know like ooh, similar backgrounds there's stuff that I just don't have to explain Mm. I remember I was even talking to I had a shift at Frost Cafe earlier I was talking to someone and we were making this joke and at first I was like, Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. But then mm. he was like he was like, Are you kidding me? Look at me, I'm here. I'm poor. I know what it means to be poor. Yeah. You can say that to me. Mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. we just start laughing about yeah. it, you know. And so I mean, I don't know, it's like it's just so complicated. Just the entire experience of being here, cause like I said, there's a lot of good. But I also do I have to say that every time, you mm-hmm. know? Can mm-hmm. I just be allowed I feel like I'm always justifying things. Yeah. Can I just be allowed to be unhappy here yeah. with some of the way that things are handled? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the experiences that I've had here that I'm just like, make it easier. Why is it so hard? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <sighs> just a big sigh. I just went, because oh. I just went off, because I just like, it brought so much <laughs> up for me. Like it just brought mm-hmm. so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't trying to like dominate. I swear. <laughs> no, it's I just okay. had like this full arsenal no. stuff it's that I totally to forgot. listen to. <laughs> I was nodding along, thinking my mm-hmm, <laughs> writing down my notes because it's true. <laughs> I think especially like finding like you have to navigate yourself. At least I feel this way in terms of like how much you work. how much you do jobs like this semester more so than usual i'm working in like four things which for me is very like new Mm -hmm. because like back home my mom was very insistent and like i don't want you to do any work because i want to be the one to support you yeah but now i have to do work to support her and my brothers Mm -hmm. back at home so it's just like i'm very busy and it's so hard to bring that up in conversations. And when I say mm-hmm. I'm tired, people just assume it's because of schoolwork. Yeah. No, there's so much else to navigate. And you can't really talk about it. Like, your thing is a very different experience and a different perspective. Because how people treat dining custodians here 
is horrible, mm. terrible, no good. Um, disrespectful, gross. Yeah. Um, tomatoes, tomatoes. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. They're just you always get this weird looks when you're like, how much mm-hmm. do you work? And then you're like, this is how much I work. And they're like, really? Why do you do that? And it's like, yeah, for a reason. I'm not going to. I'm not in the business of telling people like, yeah, I'm doing this because of this and like parents and like my, my family and this. Only specific people need to know that. So yeah. when you don't justify it, then you get the weird looks. But right. I don't feel the right. need to justify it to you. <laughs> this mm. is how I'm existing mm. in this space, and it's new to you. But just yeah. deal with it and swallow it, and you'll be okay. Um, even though you haven't seen that before, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely understand, understand that. And then you have that, and how you take up space in this institution is very vastly different than anyone else because of these uniquely like different aspects of your personality that make it hard to take up space but there's no foundation or anything for that it's just like okay you are like the same mode as every other student when that's Mm -hmm. not true it's still like are you serious (laughs) with me right now of course you know it's different um Mm -hmm. so i definitely agree with you on that my frustration is a lot internal, so I don't have a lot of words for it. So I'm just like, girl, okay. I'm like shaking my feet right now. <laughs> no, I understand. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I don't know. I guess on that note, like, yeah. I'm cognizant of our time. I've been here for a while. So <laughs> I was about to say, people are outside the door trying to get in. They're not Yeah, good. yeah. So I guess just to end on a more, like, positive note. <laughs> Not that all this isn't warranted, but also I do want to give our little, like, fly babies who are listening out there in the world something to hold on to. And Mm -hmm, so whenever mm -hmm. you say, like, each of us having a unique experience, I would say just, like, don't compromise to, like, fit the mold Mm. or, like, the image that's been sold to you. Because there are ways that I get around it. In the past, for me, it's always been, the solution has always been, oh, why don't you just work less hours? Is that going to make me feel better? Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. This is like where I come mm-hmm. from. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like whatever sort of combination of things. This semester I'm teaching SAT prep, yeah. working with dining, taking five classes, all yeah. classes that I feel really passionate about. Mm-hmm. These are things that's like, I'm not, sometimes people get so mad at me. They think I say all this stuff like I'm bragging. It's yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's like, no. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> that I, I do need these money. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what no. is... God. Sorry, mm-hmm. like I don't. There are some yeah. things that I'm not willing to compromise on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it's kind of not great news because I'm kind of saying you always have to be in a space to negotiate. Yeah, but it's true. But negotiate on your terms, mm-hmm. not on anyone mm-hmm. else's. So mm-hmm. whatever you know, you need to do. For me, yeah. it's been sort of like finding community here mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like the activities that I engage myself in, yeah. as well as the people that I am in community with constantly yeah. from my dining services co-workers to (laughs) some of the faculty that have been there for me since day one to you know you to other friends on campus (laughs) and Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's sort of what I have to share do you have anything that you would like to say lastly um I definitely agree with you in the sense of like you don't have to fit yourself into the mold in order to feel like you've done the Amherst thing, you're an Amherst student. There is going to be a lot of negotiating in the sense of how you fit into spaces, 
But once you do it on your own terms, that's mm-hmm. it. A shift happens. And even if it's a sense of misalignment, once again, using the puzzle piece um, metaphor, it becomes something that's yours. It's not them placing it in the wrong way for you. You're yeah. sort of going against the grain. Um, mm-hmm. I think also as well, in that comes with finding your place, finding your community, finding your group that understands and that sees you. Because yeah. there are certain people that will not see you depending mm-hmm. on where you slot yourself. And that becomes an issue because what if I want to complain about how many hours I'm working even though I still want to work those hours? Yeah. Only certain people will understand that mm-hmm. <laughs> without telling you quit a job. That's not yeah. what I need to hear. I just want to complain. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So I think like fitting yourself in a place where you are understood, where people see you and they can laugh with you about things. Mm-hmm. They can like yeah. support your ranting and also rant back instead mm-hmm. of always offering solutions. So sometimes you need solutions, but sometimes you just want to say, God, I'm so tired. And you're yeah. like, I'm so tired too. Like It's not to say that you should find people where you're just like struggling with. No, mm-hmm. that's not where I'm going for. Just find people who you can talk to. Have yeah. those like sit on the floor conversations. They're having this in the form of a podcast but like those conversations where you can just be like i see you i see you what are we going to do how are we going to talk about it? how are we going to somehow feel better by talking about it stuff like that and you can find that people you can find that professors Mm -hmm. um places Mm -hmm. like i love this restroom this is my place to just be like oh gosh (laughs) sponsored by the restroom yes it is sponsored (laughs) by the restroom um and stuff like that and so those things are not always going to be this ideal utopia that's not ever going to be true. I have mm-hmm. sad that as that is. But you can make things okay for you. And that's yeah. like something to hold on to always. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm also figuring out because there's so many more years to go. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't done oh, yet. I, yeah. And financial aid will feel my wrath one day. It'll happen. Yeah. Like college board is already going down. So financial aid is next. Um, yeah. So have those right. those spaces as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. Um so of course I know we only brushed the surface on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But this is also my first time doing this. So thank you so much yes. for being so <laughs> willing to yes. speak with me about this. It of was course, really like course. so valuable. These there's things that I knew like learned about you that I didn't even know before. So oh, mm, I appreciate the you lore. being willing to share <laughs> with the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and yeah, um in terms of the audience okay. <laughs> which we will eventually have. Yes. yes you um, will. we will be mm-hmm. diving into more of these topics mm-hmm. over time mm-hmm. hopefully we will have mel visit yes, us again i'll come back <laughs> you hear me in the background of every single podcast yes. mm-hmm. i agree <laughs> yes. but yeah mm-hmm. um that is all then okay see you later on. alligators bye-bye <laughs> <laughs>